So Wakanda forever, although we'll try to make the po- episode a little shorter than, than that. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Nick Glover, Tim Wick, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we are rejoined by our friend Duck Washington, who's here to talk with us about Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. We are going to spoil the shit out of it, but you should know, T'Challa dies. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Hi, welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Nick Glover. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Molly Glover. Hello. And Tim Wick. Forever. <laughs> and uh, our, our guest this week, uh, returning friend of the show, Duck Washington. Hey, everyone. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk all about uh, the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Wakanda Forever. So um, if you Black don't, want that, if you don't mm-hmm. want that to get spoiled for you, we are going to talk about it in depth and totally get it, it for you. In depth. Oh, yeah. see, I know. Because <laughs> of the oh. water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been warned okay so um you know it's obviously it's it is and isn't black panther 2 right um like they they obviously had to course correct and i'm guessing probably make an entire new movie after the death of chadwick boseman i wonder if they had this written or not and i also i mean i wonder i i am I don't know if we'll ever, you know, truly know how much he disclosed to the people at Marvel in terms or, you know, they may just not. You'd think that he probably told them something when he knew that he was terminal and, you know, and that, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's not what happened, but it, it seems unlikely that, that there would be zero communication about it considering how much the character meant to him and, you know, what the, the, the film meant to him and, yeah. and everything. But yeah, I, I, know I, that, I, I like, do know that the, um, the Namor plot um, was in the was in the books, and that was like was a plan for this movie for for a long time. But nice. Um, um, but obviously, the stuff surrounding the the character change. Um, yeah, um, I have to think that that a pretty major change in had had to go because I sure he was going to deal with with that that character and especially Shuri following the death of her brother is going to deal with that character in an entirely different way than, than her brother would have. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I feel like, um, I feel like uh, Riri Williams really fills the role that Shuri filled in the first movie of like young, brash tech genius. And so I wonder if that, kind of idea was if that stuff was still going to be Riri Williams so that they could be introducing her when her show comes around or if the the plan had been that would be more Shuri's load or Shuri would be being more of a mentor to her and not mm. being so pulled away by her duties of state and duties uh you know to her home and then eventually becoming the Black Panther <laughs> you know spoiler oh wait we said we already said that was going to Yeah happen. we did it's say there would okay. be spoilers yeah, it's also okay. reading the book but <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Shuri has, uh, you know, fairly recently been had the mantle of Black Panther in the in the comics. Um, also, fairly recently, uh, 
you know, Namor and the Atlanteans basically wiped out Wakanda and had mm. been warring on and off with them, you know, kind of lately. It's been very tense. So, um, you know, again, it's that the Marvel Cinematic Universe borrowing from kind of recent comic stuff to stay relevant and to maybe tie in or whatever, but also still separate and doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, how it happens and everything is very different and very, um, it's, it's very much distinct. Um, the so there's this beautiful tribute at the beginning. Um, the the Marvel logo that usually you know flashes with comic art and then and then art from the you know Mar- Marvel MCU bits of um, script. Yeah, and- little mm-hmm. little uh, like a video collage of sorts. And um, for this one, the entire thing is done in silence all with uh video and clips of uh t'challa from from you know and and i think even some uh on set like behind the scenes video of of chadrick boseman it's just it's all done in silence and it was very i felt like it was a very emotional way to start a pretty emotional movie yeah it's it was very somber well and i think it was i think it was a really Smart choice before we even get to that Marvel crawl. Yeah, I was like we've thinking got, we've, we've gone all the way through the funeral before that oh, even right. played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. It's just like it's like it's like we're starting. He, you know, we announce his death right at the very beginning of the yep. movie. We have the celebration of his life, and then then we have this little tribute, and then we're moving into the movie. Yeah, uh, and it doesn't. It, it yeah. didn't feel like. I think it was a smart choice to not like push that off and. And and try to figure out how to have it happen later in the narrative, but to start mm-hmm. with it, um, I think was really smart. That funeral, that was honestly like some of my favorite parts of the film. It was it was so it was beautiful. It I loved all the different. I mean, there were so many different styles of you know formal funeral wear. Everyone wearing different colors, lots of white, lots of the the way that they that the. Um, the Dormelage but bore his casket with the rhythmic walking and that like it was practically dancing and just there was so much that was just it, it really felt it it reminded me a lot of of I mean I've never been to a jazz funeral but seeing bits like jazz funerals in New Orleans like footage of that seeing uh just like when people talk about doing a celebration of life as opposed to a funeral but also there's that somberness there. I don't know it was it was really it was really beautiful. I remember when the first trailer came out for the film and they show like footage of that funeral, like black, black geek pages were like, y'all, everybody opening day, we're all going in white to go forever. And then like, and then like we started to get closer to the, I was like, are people still going to wear white? (laughs) I was like, like, am I going to be the only one wearing white if I wear white? It's like, I'm going to gamble that they're not because nobody's talked about it in weeks. And I got there and was like, oh, thank God. I'm not the only one. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as just like, I mean, as in the first movie, just like uh, amazing representation from all sorts of different countries and cultures in Africa, the hairstyles, clothing, like it was, it was just, it's very cool. And that's something that this, this, this franchise in in the movies have done so well. And it was, I don't know. I love it. I I love, I just love it. I, um, you know, I, I think talking about like the somber tones, especially in the beginning of the movie, I think it's kind of worth discussing that. The last few Marvel movies that have come out have been very heavy in humor and a lot and a lot and some 
people have said that, you know, like the most recent Thor movie is too funny or too silly and things like that. And I feel like um, those people probably are, are, shutting up right now or probably more likely complaining about no, well, they're probably they're probably they're saying <laughs> saying that this one's not white enough but but right. other than that you know at least it's not funny but um, i i think you know the overall tone is i i don't know if we've had a marvel movie that was this serious with the exception of like the the infinity you know and, and end game movies mm-hmm. which were also you know, pretty serious and pretty like had a lot of consequence and had a lot of heavy themes of of you know finality. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe, maybe um, far from home. You know, while it had like a lot of fun stuff, was like really still centrally cored around like like let's let's get over Tony Stark. You know, yeah, like, like really at the core of that movie, um, and the too, return but- of the snap too. Yeah, but there's yeah. but there's but there's a difference between celebrating like or like mourning the loss of a character and mourning the loss of a person. Yeah, um, and which gives this which gives this film um, even even more weight. Yeah, I think um, what I what I liked about what they did, and I actually I I really liked the fact that they did the funeral pre credit, you know, pre pre everything. They they just go into the funeral and and effectively, um, this movie uh, it, what's really interesting with the MCU is how how you know they they try to find different stories to tell within the framework of superhero movies and this movie is about dealing with loss and the the great thing about it is it acknowledges that the loss isn't just the loss of the the loss the characters feel but the loss the audience feels uh, and I think that's why that that funeral at the beginning is so powerful is because it basically acknowledges that everybody in the theater is walking into this movie remembering that the star of the first film that they loved is gone and isn't going to be in this movie at all and that this story isn't about him. And giving the audience that opportunity to mourn, acknowledging that mourning within the characters uh, and the difficulty of moving on, the the the, the desire to, to embrace the the world where Chadwick Boseman slash T'Challa was still alive, uh, I thought that was really good. I thought it was good storytelling. I thought it was uh, was a smart way to approach uh, the material. And I also think that yeah, it did make for a much much more somber film, which is okay. I mean, I think I think the the biggest frustration about most most DCU films uh, for me is that it all strikes the same tone and Marvel doesn't do that. So, so moving from something like Thor, which was pretty funny to something like, like uh, Wakanda forever that was very somber and, and dealing with some really heavy stuff was, was good. It's smart. Do, do you think that, I mean, not just because of the, the, the real world death, the, the fictional death, um, do you think some of the choices about how much humor they included in the movie are they didn't want to make it silly? They didn't want it to be, you know, disrespectful in in some way. I mean, that, I'm not saying there aren't any jokes in the movie. They're clearly you there's know, at least two. Humor. Yeah, but I mean, do you, I think that had to have been a conscious choice, right? Do you, do you, does any, do any of you suspect or disagree that that was done deliberately because of of that? theme of of death i mean i think i think part of it is you know you kind of find like the the niche of tone 
And then you kind of you kind of ride that wave when you're when you're creating a story. I actually don't think that the first Black Panther has a whole lot of humor in it as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as dour, um, but there's not a lot of jokes, mm-hmm. you know, aside from like M'Baku making fun of people. And then we still or get like, M'Baku making fun of people. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, even even the lines that are funny are not intended to be jokes. Like we don't do that here, you know. Just little, you know, little things like that, or like you know, are not. They're funny, but they're they're not like, you know, you know, T'Challa yucking it up, you know, giving the zingers. Like that's just not his character. Yeah, he's a fucking but, king. But yeah, and I think I think part of that comes from like the importance of both of those films, because where the first was wasn't like, wasn't like, um, really embracing uh death and what was you know almost like a live action funeral in a way um it was it was presenting a culture and the idea of a culture in a way that was um super important like you know like it was it was elevated to a level of movie that was much more significant than anything that we had seen in marvel at that point um uh, upon its release so and and in this movie, we see that about um, a different culture. We yeah. see a, yeah. a different culture represented with um, the inclusion of uh, Mayan culture with Namor. Or, um, I'm sorry, Duck, you said it earlier. Uh, Kukulkan, I believe. Kukulkan and, and, and Talakan is the name of the city not yeah. not atlantis they don't do it yeah. like we're not we're not doing atlantis guys it's uh that's, yeah. yeah it's but, totally different uh, with uh, Namor or or Namor as you might know him from the comics and this is again like um you know similar to Wakanda but distinct from it a a secret people you know definitely you know, based on real cultures that are are hidden and have the the secret of uh vibranium and um they are they are hidden in a very different way than the Wakanda is hidden but but still they are um this kind of you know underrepresented group in in cinema especially superhero movies and it was mine stuff which is so cool i um uh i'm a little bit of i mean i was thrilled i was thrilled when they went when they went down to Talokan and it was like, Oh, there's like the Mayan ball game. And, you know, um, uh, I've been a little fascinated with, uh, Mayan mythology ever since, uh, I saw the fountain many, many years ago. Mm. And I guess it wasn't that many years ago. Um, <laughs> but like afterwards, like got books about the, the, the Popol Vol and like the Mayan underworld and Jabalba and, you know, all of that stuff. So to see like, the care that they took with making sure that that was represented. Um, I know I've seen stories where, you know, people would take their like Mayan grandmothers to, to -hmm. see the movie, you know, and they'd be like, I've never seen uh, us represented on stage this way or on film this way, especially with um, an actual Mexican actor. And when they're speaking Mayan language, Mm -hmm. they're actually speaking Mayan language and it's pronounced correctly. Um, and I just, I was just like, you know, and then you see murals and, you know, yeah. um, just so freaking cool. A lot uh, of the, and it, again, you know, similar to how we were, you know, we've talked about uh, with the first movie and with this movie, how there was, you know, so many elements of African culture, all the different cu- countries and cultures and, and thing, re- tribes represented. And it's very similar here where you're seeing lots of elements throughout that aren't necessarily, there's no character pointing and going, wow, that, what is that called? or anything it's just it's just there you're just soaking in it and it, it's just so yeah it, it was I, I thought it was super cool the 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 I'm trying to find the guy they cast I can't find his name uh the guy who played 
Uh, yes, Tenoch Huerta yeah. uh, was absolutely just pitch perfect. Like yeah. he, he brought because I love I love Namor as a character. I I find his uh, cruel alien arrogance just great. Like he has complete disdain for the the land people, you know, and just you know, true, true, you know, just positive in his own superiority. And I really think that that uh, he brought the Tanakh brought this to the character, but also like he's got that charm. You can tell that like, you know, I can just see Sue Storm falling for this dude. Like I can see <laughs> Sue Storm being like, oh, this this guy. Can you can, you can see just about him. anybody falling for right? that. Dude. Yeah, man. You know, yeah, like- man. I, I read I read a joke article that was basically like his real superpower is his ability to evoke thirst. Yeah, <laughs> he makes all kinds of things wet. <laughs> yeah, he, he I like like Molly said, if we don't just having him introduced before we get to Fantastic Four, knowing that Fantastic Four is on the way, it's just like God, just give me something. Like it doesn't have to be a big thing. I just there just needs to be a moment. With a little eyebrow raise when he looks at her, just, just like <laughs> just a just a lingering. He's obsessed with her in the comics, like he's yes. in love with her. Yes. He's like the only That's... person he's ever loved besides himself. It's, uh, so it's uh, when Emma Frost is in his brain, he she finds three doors, and it's like rule, war, and sue. And she's like, oh, I never really figured you to be, you know, litigious when violence doesn't work. And they just kind of move on. And it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, not the verb. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I really hope we get to see yeah. some of that, especially great. he's, you know, like. I, he said he was the first mutant. He, he said he was a mutant. Yeah, oh, oh, they uh, the word. I almost died. <laughs> that's, a, that's the second time they've used the word now. And yeah. um, it's great. How they they even did the winged feet, and it didn't mm. look cheesy. It looked badass. Cool, and yeah. awesome. It did look badass. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like that they did. They weren't like a winged feet. These are dumb. They're just like, nope. He's got wings on his feet, motherfuckers. Um, and uh, that that that's the smart way to do that, right? To to it's silly. They're to just silly. like they're really silly looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the comics, and I never would have guessed that that was something that would be adapted in a way that was awesome and it when really i think was. tying him i think tying him to the legend of kukulkan and then mm-hmm. or an aztec uh quetzalcoatl i think quetzalcoatl. That's how you yeah um you know the serpent the the feathered serpent god um was kind of a really cool way to make it like it makes sense for him to have wings on his feet yeah, he's, uh, yeah. He's a, you know and then the the costume you know with that that headpiece and you know, just just incredible but still the but still he's got the uh the the, the green briefs <laughs> he does have the green briefs which yep. which i'm told they had to they had to cgi him down <laughs> yeah he's the right name more <laughs> yeah i, Good for I him. they did really well too with the the underwater cgi which yeah. uh you know like uh sometimes like for example in aquaman i felt was like way overdone where it was just like i mean it looked cool but after a while i'm like man does every single fucking thing underwater need to be so like like wavy everything has fringe like it feels like they're just doing it on purpose there's not a lot of underwater action yeah the action takes place above the, the deeps um, um well you know if you take but, uh, any of your major characters of underwater the- action i think that um i saw while i watched this movie i saw 
the trailer for The Little Mermaid, and I saw, you know, the trailer for Avatar The Way of Water, and and just, like, was like, you know, like, this is the one that looks good. Um, the, the Avatar, I think, actually looked the worst of all of them. Hey, sorry about that. We had a brief technical problem while we were talking there. We're going to just try to pick it back up where we were. The internet. I broke computer. Yeah. <laughs> Molly's a jinx. I no, am. But, uh, we were, I think we were all gushing about uh, Namor. And, uh, so can we, is it going to be Namor, Namor? Uh, I think they say it both ways during they, the movie. They do. That's what made it. I was extra. I was like, they were saying Namor. I'm like, oh, all right. I'm on board. And then someone else is like this Namor character. And I'm like, well, hold on. I guess, I guess. <laughs> Another I Caribbean, would, Caribbean thing. <laughs> I guess I would say he calls himself Namor. So that's right. that's kind of where I came from. Although although he calls himself Kuku Khan. Yeah. Yeah, he, right? yeah. Because yeah. his enemies call him Namor. And I thought it was really interesting that he said, My enemies call me Namor, and the Wakandans immediately started calling him Namor. Yeah. Like, why, don't, yeah. why wouldn't you learn Kuku Khan as his name? Because I think they want him to know where he stands. I think that was I think that was an intentional thing on their part of being yeah. like, okay then. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, you're, you're pretty good. much you're well, pretty much established. has no allies so yeah. <laughs> so um the the uh all his people the the are um you know uh, indigenous but also um blue and and when they're under when they're when they're when out they're, of water when they're out of water they're yeah. they're definitely uh blue skinned which is is a is a that's you know comicsy. That's not um, I, there's there's some precedent there, but um, while you were talking about um, it's kind of, that's kind of a trope. Um, yeah, I well, I saw someone on Twitter say something about that. Okay. That's all. I'm sure. not sure. I, I uh, don't know that it's a trope or not. I was sure. not able to confirm that. But, but like when we talked about well, this I, before the episode. I, I know there's sorry. I know there's a trope of you know like just let people of color be people of color they don't have to be an alien or a a, a fictional skin mm. tone as a as a kind of a thing and so but then at the same time i appreciate that they they kind of had a more natural skin tone when they were in their home when they were in their land and in their in their place mm-hmm. uh they they were only you know kind of alien in appearance when they were in an environment that wasn't where, where they're kind of built to live right now, which is, there might be something to that. I don't know. Well, and I think, I mean, I mean, I, I couldn't be wrong. I'm not the one who wrote the movie, but I have the feeling that when they approach them being that, like that was just kind of like the sci-fi nature of them being super powered and mm-hmm. that they weren't really trying to use the blue as an allegory for indigenous people or race in this movie. I think you do see that in some, some aspects, you know, where like, you know, probably like an avatar, you know, yeah. they're yeah. blue because, you know, like, cause they can represent kind of any indigenous people, but they don't want to put a finger on which indigenous or, you know, um, uh, people that they want to, that they want to be talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think that can be a very powerful tool. You know, like one of my favorite books growing up was the star bellied snitches, mm-hmm. you know, and like, like there's the, you have, you, you know, where different things could like represent race, but you don't have to have like, the actual race there to represent it. Um, but it can also, but it also can keep you from embracing the identity of actual problems uh, at the same time. So I kind of get it. I kind of get it both ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I thought that a little bit of that had to do, you know, because they were blue and they were out of water, which to, to me was a suggestion of oxygen deprivation. Yeah. 
And uh-huh. I think that's I think that's how I've heard it explained in like some mm-hmm. of the concepts. And that because Namor doesn't have to, is able to breathe out of the water, that's why he does not turn blue, mm-hmm. and why he's only Talokanian. Talakanil, I think, is what they use as their. Um, yeah, um, doesn't he's the only one that doesn't turn blue out of the water. I really uh, breathing apparatus either. I I loved their breathing apparatuses. That was so cool. The like over the mouth and over the gills, the patches that they had yeah. uh, on them was it was such a cool. Uh, I mean, I guess you wouldn't call it a character design, more like an armor design. And 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 uh, just the idea that because I mean, a lot of times you see that and it'll be like, oh, they're they're in like a whole aqua suit, like their whole body needs it. And it's like, no, I mean, they just need to breathe the water. So it made sense that it had some kind of almost like a like similar to a rebreather in Star Wars that they wear when they sure. go underwater. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Duck, you, I think you had said that you, you saw some things about talking about uh skin tone and representation in this movie and, and some people kind of wishing that there was a little bit more diversity in what was what was presented. yeah so there's a there's a little bit of a bumpy reception to this film in in mexico right now where mm-hmm. um there's a lot of people really embracing it and a lot of um people who are upset that um lighter skin latinos aren't aren't really represented um, among the group. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, the society that escaped, you know, Spanish slavery would be darker skin than, than some of the population, but the colorism issues, um, are kind of really prevalent. And it's, you know, like a lot of people are getting excited because oftentimes in film, you know, those dark skinned Latino characters don't get roles that are prominent and powerful. They end up playing thugs and thieves and that the lighter skinned Latinos end up being like the good characters. Um, or at least the leaders, you know, you might no, have darker skinned um, people who are the, the, you know, the rank and file, right. Or something. Yeah. But, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to compare exactly what's happening in Mexico to what's happening in the United States. Um, um, but they definitely have issues with colorism there and, you know, in its relationship to class and the history of how um, people were divided, you know, when colonialism happened and who was taught was, you know, was more acceptable and who and, wasn't. Yeah. And I, um, you know, and I don't honestly know, again, you know, is it possible that, that a light, uh, lighter skin, Latinos is a little similar to a certain group of people in America looking at this movie and noting that they are underrepresented. I don't know. You know, if if mm-hmm. if they are represented more as the good guy you mean in, white in Mexico. Well, yeah. But if if, if lighter skinned right. Latinos are represented more as the good guy in Mexican film, then I mean I don't know. I I, am, I know nothing about that culture. So I don't know where where that could come from. Uh, well, and we have so, similar issues with colorism in our in our films with African Americans, right? Uh-huh, with uh, uh-huh. you know um, people who are lighter skinned like myself being portrayed in different lights than people who have darker complexions. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of good discourse around that in Lovecraft Country. Yeah, uh, but and and we're actually we have problems with that with our art. Uh, for 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 work where we will direct that someone is a dark skinned black man, 
And what we will get is someone, you know, of your shade duck. And it's like, okay, no, like, and then, and, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, well, hold on. And we, we've had to, we've had to send art back. And famously, the art of Cleopatra on the cover of one of my Cleopatra games. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm, I know this isn't my call, but fucking no. <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> like, this is, she's so, like, she doesn't even have any, like, physical bone features it's like she looks like a she looks like she got a little pixie nose like what is going on here like yeah it was it, it's it's really interesting how people's biases show in the way that they make and create art the way they cast you know who they who how they write a role absolutely and it's interesting that there's that conversation um when you look at this film which uh, you know there's effectively two notable white characters in the entire film one of them's real bad. <laughs> yeah, she's like real bad. <laughs> well, and I think I think I think one of the things that's that's great as much as I love Martin Freeman. In the mm-hmm. first movie, he plays a character that's like helping the white people accept the fact that we're making a movie about black characters. Mm-hmm. This movie, he's just kind of there because he was in the first movie. <laughs> we don't have to see. We don't have to be introduced to the world through his eyes anymore. Which I was just like, oh, thank goodness. I feel mm-hmm. like I felt like we've taken another step down the. Step step down the uh, down the trail, uh, and well, and not making it have to be experienced through his witness. Also, I think that the way that they showed Haiti in this uh, in this movie was was uh, was good because it like a lot of Americans think Haiti and they think absolute war torn, destroyed. They, they, they think have Haiti, no cities. We, they know, think like, Haiti is a shithole. And, yeah, and, and so like they, this to yeah. show that like this is a place that someone that where uh, I think is it Nikita? What is her name? I'm I'm terrible at everyone's names. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, Nakia. Nakia. Nakia is there and she and she I mean, she went there with, and she went there to to create a great life for herself. She's got a great life. And and uh, I I was interested when I saw her, her when she said her son's name was Toussaint yeah. and I looked it up. So uh, Toussaint is a, a Haitian uh, Toussaint Louverture is a Haitian general, the most prominent leader of the Haitian Revolution. So she named her son after a very prominent, you know, Haitian general who led them to to freedom. And then which is so great because yeah. like that's that's just such a that's yeah. just and then also is his. But then his Wakandan name is T'Challa. And that's wonderful. And so he's T'Challa, son of T'Challa, which is I don't know. I, I thought it was those were two really cool, you know, like ways to talk. I mean, the, the way that they talked about and showed Haiti with such love. I thought was really important, you know, for this movie and, and is another, another way that they're, you know, pushing back on standard American narratives and film. The, yeah. The colonialism as a, as a theme yeah. throughout both of the black Panther movies um, for sure. Um, and, and the African diaspora, you know, as well, like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that they're, I like that they're doing that with, you know, non-African countries that are people of African descent, um, because I don't know, it, it, it feels like those people, those places are a part of the conversation, and mm-hmm. um, maybe they're traditionally excluded. I feel like I haven't seen a lot of media that covers that, so I feel like you know, there's probably not a lot unless you're seeking it out. Oh, uh, something I wanted to make sure I mentioned is uh, when uh, Shuri goes to the ancestral plane and uh, and she meets um, 
Killmonger. Killmonger. Yeah, but his name yeah. I can't remember his actual yeah. name. But yeah, yeah. But she meets Killmonger, and he's like, and he's like, no, you like you need revenge. Like you need to, you need this. What you need is revenge. And when she comes back, uh, and someone's like, who who did you see? And she's like, that's not important. It's like, uh, hold up, uh, Shuri. <laughs> like real quick, who did you see on the ancestral plane though? And she's just like, let's <laughs> not. Like, we don't want to talk. Interesting. About that. To, Given that we're on Geeks Without God, I found it interesting. Like, think, like the movie starts with her praying to Bast. Yeah, she basically says she doesn't really believe in, um, and then she has she perceives this alternate afterlife when she when you know after she imbibes the the flower, um, mm-hmm. and I, it really does it really does have an interesting, a weird interesting stint of kind of atheism or agnosticism. She says something about not really believing she's going to have that experience or believing yeah. that that experience isn't really that, that it's it's a psychological effect of the of the the drug, not not uh, an actual uh, meeting with her ancestors, uh, which I, th- I think is is nice because it allows that character to continue to be a scientist and a non-believer. And still have that experience and take something from that experience. Yeah, uh, and uh, we see Bost is one of the gods we see in the background at the whole big god party place in uh, Love and Thunder too. So, mm. like, we know that as much as other gods are real yeah. in the Marvel universe, Bast is real. Yeah, we we did we just did an episode on this. I mean, just we did an episode on this a couple months ago about like what how it must be to be an atheist in a world where actual gods from myth and legend are walking around and it's like, well, okay. So, I mean, obviously Thor exists. Okay. All right. All right. And then like, okay. And then yes, yes, I am seeing a lot of, a lot of other things that make me might think in the supernatural, but I just, it's that one true Christian God thing. I just can't, I just can't get my head behind that. And and, I mean, one has to imagine there's gotta be a point where Matt Murdock is like, what am I doing? <laughs> I obviously bet on the wrong horse. Here. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How oh many God actual gods does he have to meet before he's like, hmm. hmm. I mean, I'd like to think that Matt Murdock is shedding a lot of Catholic guilt with, you know, what we saw in She-Hulk. But maybe that's just part of it. Maybe that's just the way that he makes himself feel bad so that he can go to church and feel better. <laughs> well, they, the, the next, the Daredevil show is born again so yeah well there you go um uh before we get to five questions does anyone want to talk about a favorite moment or a favorite aspect or thing of the of wakanda forever hmm uh Molly, you wanna? Uh, sure, yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I need to find the names, but uh, really big fan of the lesbian Dora Milaje. Uh, actually, us uh, seeing them in a relationship, uh, it not being queer baiting. Like I, I think, if I remember correctly, one of them said, "My love." Like there was very much there was they were together. Like that was, uh, and and to see that the inner workings of that, uh, Akoya getting, I mean, getting taking her her position away. And it's like, what are you when you're no longer a member of the door? I and mean, this is something that you would, I would imagine they train for, for life to some degree. I mean, from when they're very small. So to have that removed and then what are you, what does that mean for you? Just, there was a lot of great exploration of uh, a lot of strong women characters in this, you know, in this, again, uh, everything from um, uh, to, like, uh, I cannot remember Chell's mom's name. 
Angela Bassett. Yeah, Angela Bassett. Uh, Ramonda, Ramonda is Ramonda. Yes, yeah. Ramonda's. You know, talking to Shuri and her death and what that means for everyone else, and you know, just all of the there is there is a lot of but but lesbians confirmed Dora Milaje. Always happy to see more <laughs> queer characters on screen, especially queer characters of color. Uh, that's that's really I think that's super important. So yeah, Doc, is there anything that stands out? Um. Not, not necessarily it stands out as a great thing. There's very weird product placement for oh, this. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And like, like there's one Sprite commercial in particular where like, a, it's just a guy in his apartment and he opens up his refrigerator and there's like on the other side of his re- refrigerator, there's the Wakanda is there and he grabs a Sprite and he turns to his roommate <laughs> and he says, our refrigerator is a portal to Wakanda. And they're like, go see Wakanda for <laughs> what is this? It's like, this is the most randomly bizarre commercial. Uh, but yeah. See, when you said one, commer- uh, commercial. I would try to sell Sprite to black people hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one that I heard. Of, I'm reading about this on Wikipedia, but I did see it briefly. It was uh uh, there was a Target ad campaign with Riri Williams and like uh, basically her working on her Ironheart suit with like a bunch of young black girls doing yep. Lego. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, like, and you know, again, what are you get it? Like, that's not, I guess that's not, you know, selling Sprite, but it's still just kind of like, I guess. <laughs> sure. There's some STEM quality. I mean, yeah, like STEM. Lego they're and STEM. They're, they're sure. advertising to black people. I guess that, that, I mean, that's, good in a way isn't it i don't know apparently uh, lexus had an ad promoting the rz 450e with dora milaje and Danae yep. Guerrero. <laughs> like, like, do just... they like do that cool trick where they shove the spear through the car and make it like flip around and stuff oh both of those cars are in the movie guys yeah. sure they are sure they are yep. yeah yep. there's a shocker prominently tim is there anything uh yeah. That stands out for you that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, uh, the scene that I really enjoyed uh, right at the beginning of the movie when you got the, the it's you know not the United the United Nations but not the United Nations and they're talking about how Wakanda is is hanging on to their technology and how they don't trust Wakanda and Wakanda's like, yeah. Yeah, or they're basically complaining that Wakanda doesn't trust them, and Wakanda's like, "Yeah, it's because you're completely untrustworthy." It's because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and I I adored that. I thought that would that was great because I mean that's effectively the the message of this movie, right? You know, Wakanda going, "You're not trustworthy, but we're gonna we're gonna make this work." And Namor going, "No, fuck them." fuck them. And if you don't understand that we need to fuck them, then I'm going to take you out first. So you don't get my way <laughs> because, it's, it's, because I haven't heard, because I haven't heard it yet. I'm just going to go ahead and say, Kuku Khan was right. Kuku Khan. There's our yeah. new shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. But that it's, was, uh, that was a great scene with the, with the queen just the, being like, yeah, you know, there's a reason we don't trust you. She has a line there. That's something like, vibranium isn't isn't what's dangerous vibranium in your hands is what's dangerous yeah, or something yeah. like that the the implication that yes it can make dangerous weapons but only if you get your hands on it is that a bad thing kind of a yeah very very uh very great those all those scenes in the not un where, where uh angela bassett just got to really flex yeah. were pretty pretty great and just be a badass and show up it's like with the french it's like somebody's like, shit, we got Angela Bassett in this film. Somebody ought to let her act at some point. 
So, so good. Just put her in a goddamn shirt, so like sleeveless shirt, and let her have a monologue. Yeah. That's what I need. Like, show me the arms and let the woman speak. <laughs> to go watch Strange Days after it's this. So amazing. Uh, what did you? What did you? What about you, Nick? You know, um, I I can't help but to like think of the movie Marvel movies in like a big picture and knowing what's on the horizon thing and. I just think something we've seen a lot lately is a, a really uh, ramping up of super powered beings in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, she Hulk, there's enough for like a superhuman law division. There's, you know, Oh, she's the, she's the super powered influencer. Like that's said so casually mm-hmm. about Jamila Jamil character. And, and we're seeing that in this. Now we have uh, an entire people that are super powered that are you know native to earth that have vibranium we have uh another confirmed mutant and and that's only gonna we're only gonna see more and more of that um i i just think that there's i get this feeling of like a snowball rolling down the hill and gathering more and more snow and more momentum and i feel like at some point that's going to get really fucking crazy well and the Um, contessa and ross and all of that back dealing of like yeah yeah Yeah. and and i think that this these impressions of um the united states being the the bad guy here is not something that's going to go away anytime soon with her thunderbolts in in you know in the in the corner waiting to to come out and with um what we saw in miss marvel with the damage control you know being so heavy-handed with their their controlling and, and arresting and pursuing of of powered people um i think i think those are themes that we're only going to see more and more of in the future and i think um this movie sets that up more of that which mm-hmm. i i'm looking forward to yeah i don't re-watch movies often it's just for some reason it's weird i reread books all the time but i don't i don't re-watch movies very often and this is one that i pretty much immediately wanted to re-watch so i'm really looking forward to is it out on disney plus yet no when it's out on disney plus i'm i'm very looking forward to seeing it again uh in the comfort of I my own home where i can shriek i have seen it twice in the theater already yeah yeah it's man it's just it's just so good. And, and like, I, I, I feel like it's one of those things where you're going to see more upon another watch and having, yeah. you know, the more that, you know, did you feel that way doc when you, when you rewatched it? There were a lot of like, for some reason, the second time I saw it was everybody bring your baby to the movie. There was at yeah. least <laughs> six babies in the theater. And oh so part God. of me was just like, what's going on? <laughs> a little distracting, but, um, um, but still, like, you do catch up on a little of the nuance. You can, like, separate yourself a little bit more emotionally. Um, yeah, and I'm yeah. second viewing, I feel more comfortable in saying that I think I, even though, like, the first movie had so much importance, I think I actually, I actually believe that this is a, a tighter narrative. Yeah. I, I feel like, I actually feel like it's a better movie than the first Black Panther is. Yeah, your point about not having to experience Wakanda through Martin Freeman's eyes and also not having all the there's just so much setup that has to happen to explain so much about Wakanda that that rather than just letting it, you know, it's just it, it is. And so we can just move on. We don't have to do an hour of exposition. Of, but how could this be? You know, <laughs> it's yeah. origin stories aren't necessarily great all the time. And while that wasn't the Black Panther's origin story, it was kind of. Wakanda's introduction stories story or introduction yeah story yeah, for, yeah us, for, sure. for sure yeah I, I get that and I'm, I'm also psyched to rewatch. all right uh duck let's let's 
move on to our five questions for you. Five uh, questions. Our, our new set of five questions. Uh, as a reminder to anyone listening, you can send in your answers to our five questions at fivequestions at geeks.god.com, and we will read them when we record. And if you include your address, we'll send you a sticker. It's true. Molly, do you want to kick us off? Yes. Question one. What is a game you have played recently that you really enjoyed? Um, uh, I haven't had a lot of time to play games just because the theater schedule is so busy. But the thing that I do definitely try to make time to set aside for is I'm a huge fan of the NBA 2K franchise. So I the new NBA 2K23 um, which allows me to go back and play historical teams. So I've been playing oh, it's like oh, nice. the Magic Johnson Lakers and seeing how it advances through times if I make different decisions in the league. That's fun. Yeah. Does your actual skill at the game uh, matter? Like, I mean, obviously you're playing a historical team, but you, you still have to play the basketball game, right? Yeah. You still have to actually, yeah. you're not just automatically scoring points. Well, and the, the sad, the, I mean, the sad thing is like, like I've been playing this franchise since 2K the first one. <laughs> so yeah. it's 23 years worth of games. I'm not, I'm not bad at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, uh, I, uh, that's me with animal crossing. Not that animal crossing is at all skills based, but that's, yeah, that's about how long I've been playing animal yeah, crossing. You, should, so see him, you, you. <laughs> should see Molly make those three pointers in animal crossing. Oh yeah. No, me yeah. and my, yeah. My animal crossing team is just, we're fucking tight. <laughs> uh, question number two, what is a science factor discovery you think is really fucking cool? Um, I've been doing a little thing for, for NPR where they have me, um, debating, uh, about the awesomeness of tardigrades uh -huh. um, and, uh, and they're just, they're just like the coolest little creatures, man. That, uh -huh. like, you know, you can take them out in space and they're just like, whatever, I'm fine. You know, you can find them anywhere. They can live off of just about anything. It's like, give me a drop of, give me a drop of dirty water and I'm immortal, you know? And it's just like, yeah. they're just super cool. And they look like little bears. They're so yeah. cute. They are really water cute. Water bears like or moss piglet is their other mm -hmm. nickname. Yep. Oh, I, I've never heard moss piglet. I like I love, moss I love piglet. That. Yeah. That's great. Ghetto moss piglet. <laughs> that's people watching Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number three. Uh, where do you get your sense of right and wrong from? Because we know it isn't religion. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think in some ways it might be religion secondhand. You know, mm -hmm. because I was raised by people who were, you know, raised by people who were religious or whatever, you know. Um, um, but I feel like I feel like like that was something I got to define growing up was thinking, what, what do I think is right and what do I think is wrong? And really adhering to that code that when I when once I've made the code, it's like I think you can't really deviate from it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. um, um, so it's definitely there. It's definitely prevalent. I think I think probably. Um, the media I consumed as a child helped frame that a little bit in some aspects too. And then just, just life experiences as well, like meeting different kinds of people. Um, you know, some things that I thought were, you know, weird, taboo, icky as a child, I've, I've learned are, are, were foolishness. So um, I think that that can yeah. change over time as well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the media. The, someone brought that up a couple uh, a while back and it, it really stuck with me. The more I thought about it was how much TV me and my brother watched mm -hmm. sitcoms, especially and how many sitcoms in the 80s had a had a lesson. You know, almost every episode had some lesson, a moral tale 
Oh man, how religiously did I watch the Cosby show and how scary is that? Now? Well, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, like, am I a monster? Am I accidentally a monster now? Yeah, we were really into uh, family ties and like my brother really liked Alex P. Keaton and I'm oh. really grateful that neither of us grew up to be like a conservative Republican <laughs> loving Reagan, but like but at the yeah, same, but he was, at a, he was time, a cons- like Alex, like like the morality of that show was kind of focused around that being really weird, like him yeah. being really weird, you know, yeah, like, like his conservative, yeah. his conservatism was always wrong. You know, yeah. right? he would, so he'd keep having to learn how he was wrong and how to be a better person. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Question four. If you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for you for the rest of your life, what chore or task would you choose? All right. This is a little bit of a weird answer. Um, So I, I want a robot that functions as an artificial stomach that, that better, that better digests my food, better creates energy creates waste that isn't as stinky and um, just lets me live my life. Uh, but like you a, get to, awesome you still get to eat. you still get to eat and enjoy the eating. Oh yeah, absolutely. But then like it does it does the like it does effective digestion and then somehow re- like replenishes you with the energy and nutrition. Yeah, and doesn't like doesn't like build up fat, doesn't like let you get like cardiovascular. Oh, disease, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, Robo-cups. doesn't doesn't like cures my diabetes. You like, know, shit, man. All I'll that take- stuff. I'll take guts. I'll take robot guts that even just yeah. like just digest everything. That'd be great. I'd love to digest all things. <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> but yours is even better. I was like, I was dreaming small, doctor. You're dreaming big. <laughs> robot guts. Awesome. Okay. Question number five. What is a movie or TV show you think everyone should watch? Oh, um, there's so many. Um, I think. And it's hard to say to everyone because everyone has different perspectives. Sure. But, right. Um, but this isn't everyone. Um, if you can, you're thinking everyone should. But I feel like I feel like the animated film Watership Down was like a cornerstone in my development. Hmm. Um, and and so I kind of want everyone to 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 suffer that that beauty and that trauma mm-hmm. the way that I did. We just understand each other a little bit better. <laughs> Everybody had those scars. Yeah. <laughs> I do not care for yeah. that movie, but I have watched it, so it still counts. You don't. I I have. Uh, so yeah, do, we're, we're not going. Yeah, Watership Down in the Last Unicorn. We watched around the same time, and I have weird, like they're inextricably linked in my like memory and psyche. Like they both make me feel sad, and I don't know why. I don't know if the Last Unicorn is sad. Okay, because I remember it being I mean, like the Watership Down is sad, really and I'm sad. like, or is that the Rabbits one? I, I'm like, just I think of those two movies. I'm just like, oh, those were so messed up. Secrets of Nim too. That messed me up right. real bad too. Oh yeah, it's a All good right. one. Awesome. Uh, Duck, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for for joining us to talk all about Wakanda Forever, and thank you for uh, uh, answering our five questions. Uh, I keep doing the Wakanda sign and no one can see Nobody it. Can yeah. see it. Yeah. He's doing it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and we are not. Yeah. <laughs> That's, all, yeah. That's why at the beginning when it was like Molly Glover, I just went, hello. Because I was like, don't say Wakanda. for What, what are you doing? What are you, don't, hold up. Don't do it. <laughs> it's a trap. That's why all I said was forever. Yeah. Which uh, is actually folks, from Pippin. Never mind. What you thought of uh, Wakanda Forever or what you're looking forward to next in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Phase drop five, us, baby. Drop us a comment. 
Uh, let us know what you're what you're thinking. We'd love to hear it. Uh, if you are one of our patrons, you got to listen to this episode early, and uh, you also, if you answer our five questions, we'll get bumped to the top of the list, which is very short. So less of a perk sometimes than others. <laughs> Still, your support is appreciated all the same. And we'll be back next week with more godless geekery. Bye. Bye. Much love, everyone. What do we want? Wakanda. When do we want it? Forever. Yeah. We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks. Geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging and listen to past podcasts at geekswithoutgod.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Sorry that you have to do some editing work, Tim.